Hey, this is Pastor Arm, and I want to thank you for joining me today for the Activation Church podcast. We are here so that people can activate their life in Christ, and I believe this message is going to help you go further than ever before. Check it out. If you have your Bible, turn it to 2 Kings, the fifth chapter. Today we're going to continue on with our series called Double Portion. We're looking at the story of Elisha, and today we're going to find an encounter between Elisha and a man named Naaman who has a flesh-eating disease that is destroying his life. Now on the outside, with all of his armor on, people aren't aware of what's going on deep down inside of him. How many of you know sometimes you can look okay to everybody on the outside, but on the inside you're, you're getting eaten alive. You're just a shell of the person you used to be or a shell of the person that you can be because on the outside, like I said, you carry a great smile, but on the inside, you're suffering. The good news is Jesus wants to meet you at that place today, and he wants to bring complete healing. Somebody say complete healing. He wants to bring complete healing to your life. He doesn't want to just deal with the surface, surface issues. He wants to get deep down in there so you can have complete joy, complete hope, complete peace, complete healing, complete freedom. Somebody say complete. complete. I love that about Jesus. He came so that we could be made whole, so that we could be made complete. The Bible says that by his stripes... We are healed. Other translations says we are made whole. What does that mean? You are complete. So we miss that about salvation. Sometimes we think that salvation is all about just getting us from here to heaven. And that's a wonderful promise that we have an eternity with our Father. It's going to be amazing. But there are some good things that we can experience here. We can experience some freedom. We can experience hope and joy and peace. All the good things that God has made available are available to each and every one of us. It is the thief that comes to still kill and destroy. Jesus came that you could have an abundant life. So if you're not experiencing an abundant life right now, there is something in there that is blocking it that I want today Jesus to get in there, do his Holy Ghost surgery, and bring some healing to it. Are you okay with that? So... As we get into this discussion and we talk about wounds, I want you to know for some of you, there could be some awkward, painful moments, but lean into that because that is part of the process of God getting in there and doing his healing. Amen? And, and when I think about wounds, I want you to understand that they're inevitable. If you live life long enough, you're going to be wounded. If you live life long enough, you're going to experience some pain. If you live long enough, you're going to experience some injuries. How many of you know I'm telling the truth? I mean, I can still remember my most, the first significant injury I received, I still remember it. And I was young. I was probably two years old. I was at my grandmother's house and I was hanging on a table and there was these uh, brick stairs behind me and I was swinging and my grip slipped and I fell and hit the back of my head on those brick steps and split my head open. And I still, I still carry the scar of that to this day. I mean, it's, it's 38 years later, and I still carry that scar because some wounds, are you hearing me? Some wounds stay with us for a long time. And we, we try to suppress it, we try to repress it, but it's still there with us. One time I was riding my bicycle, and I was going down this hill by our house, and what I would do is when I got to the bottom of the hill, 
I would slam my foot down and slide the bike sideways and then come back up the hill on the other side. Well, this one day I was doing it and it went terribly wrong. And when I went to slam my foot down, the bike went out from under me and started sliding and I slid with it across the pavement, pavement and I mutilated my right knee. And, and the first thing I did when I hurt myself was said, I've got to get to my grandmother. Because my grandmother lived on the property with us, and I knew she, she was like the ultimate physician. I mean, she didn't have like the paperwork on the wall, but she might as well have been a doctor because she knew how to deal with every kind of scratch and boo-boo. And I don't know if it's just my generation or if it's just my family in particular, but they love this stuff called Bactine. Anybody remember Bactine? You know what Bactine was created for? Not just to clean your wound, but to remind you of the consequences of your actions. <laughs> So that when they hit your knee with that back team, you go, I'll never do that ever again. I'll never go sliding across the pavement. Uh, but, but when my grandmother bound up my wound and she sprayed whatever it was that she sprayed on it. By the way, I just want to say, I think the problem with this generation coming up is they're a Neosporin generation. There's no pain to that. We need to get some more back team back in our life. But... Whenever, <laughs> whenever she sprayed my knee, as much as it hurt and as bad as the wound was, she did that because she understood that the infection would be far worse than the actual wound. Are you following what I'm saying? The infection would be worse than the incident that happened on the bicycle. And it's the same thing in our life. We don't just get physically hurt. We get emotionally hurt we get psychologically hurt we all these things happen like somebody says something to us when we're a kid that, that hurts us and that sticks with us someone lies to us I was talking to a guy the other day and he's a full-grown man he's married now but he referred to a lie that his parents told him when he was like 10 or 11 years old that completely shaped his life that one moment, that one wound has shaped his life. And so all of these things, people walking out on us, dysfunctional families, and I've got news for you, they're all dysfunctional. Like I thought mine was functional until I got older and I realized how dysfunctional it actually was. Like all these things, like, like marriages breaking up, parents getting divorced, all these things cause wounds in our life. And if the wounds aren't dealt with, and they're left open, they can get infected and begin to fester and cause all kinds of problems in our life. There are people sitting in prison today because of a wound they experienced when they were a child. There are people who have ended their life. As an adult, they end their life because of a wound they experienced when they were a child that they just didn't deal with. They didn't bring proper healing to it. See, we think sometimes just pushing it down to where we don't think about it. But that's, that's not healing it. That's just pushing it down. It's still there, and it's going to manifest itself in certain ways through unhealthy behaviors, unhealthy actions, unhealthy attitudes. So we need to deal with this because, you know, the, the Bible says that the, the idle hands are the devil's playground. You've heard that? And I was thinking about this this morning. Like, it's not just idle hands. It, it's also open wounds. Open wounds give him the ability to come in and wreak all kinds of havoc in your life. 
I mean, once he gets in there and starts playing with that thing and it starts festering and developing infection, he can completely destroy your life. He can destroy your relationships. He can destroy everything that you touch. You can live with no peace, no joy. Again, doesn't matter what you look like on the outside. On the inside, you're hurting and you're suffering because there is a wound that happened somewhere at some point in time that wasn't dealt with properly. And so that's what I want to look at today is how can we deal with these wounds in a way that God can come in and bring that complete healing to us? And, and I think that we all fall under this category of having some form of a wound in our life at some point in time. So let's look at this. Second Kings, the fifth chapter, starting in verse 1. The Bible says, Naaman, commander of the army of the king of Syria, was a great man. Turn to the person next to you that he was a great man. It's important to understand. He was a great guy, great man. He was, uh, had high favor with his master because by him, the Lord gave him victory to Syria. He was a mighty man of valor. He's a great man. He's honored. He's got favor. He's a mighty man of valor. Everything looks like it's going great for this guy, Naaman, but he was a leper. He had a skin-eating disease. Now the Syrians on one of their raids had carried off a little girl from the land of Israel and she worked in the service of Naaman's wife and she said, uh, she worked in the, the service of Naaman's wife and she said to her mistress, would that my Lord were with the prophet who is in Samaria, he would cure him of his leprosy. So Naaman went and told his Lord, thus spoke to the girl in the land, from the land of Israel and the king of Syria said, now go and I will send a letter to the king of Israel. So he went taking with him 10 talents of silver, 6,000 shekels of gold, and 10 changes of clothing. And he brought the letter to the king of Israel, which read, When this letter reaches you, know that I have sent to you Naaman, my servant, that you may cure him of leprosy. And when the king of Israel read the letter, he tore his clothes and said, Am I God who can kill and to make alive, and that this man sends word to me to cure this man of leprosy? Only consider and see how he is seeking a quarrel with me. But when Elisha, the man of God, heard that the king of Israel had torn his clothes, he sent to the king saying, why have you torn your clothes? Let him come now to me that he may know that there is a prophet in Israel. So Naaman came with his horses and chariots and stood at the door of Elisha's house. And Elisha sent messenger to him saying, go and wash in the Jordan seven times and your flesh shall be restored and you shall be clean." But Naaman was angry and went away saying, Behold, I thought that he would surely come out to me and stand and call upon the name of the Lord as God. I'm a great guy. And my expectation is this prophet would get off his couch, come out of his house, greet me in person properly because I'm a mighty man of valor. Are you following? come out and then he would wave his hand over the place and cure the leper. Then he goes on to say, are not the Abana and the Farpar, the rivers of Damascus better than all the waters of Israel? Do I really got to get in the Jordan River? I saw them tubing down the Jordan the other day on Memorial Day weekend and I noticed that no one was taking a bathroom break. I've got open wounds. I don't want to be in the Jordan River. I'd rather be in another river, but how many of you know the instructions you follow will determine the outcome you receive? You don't get to make the instructions. 
See, sometimes we want to follow our own game plan to our healing, and God is saying, no, 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 I've got some instructions that take you through a process that will bring complete healing to you. But Naaman got mad because he had a little bit of an ego. And then he said, could I not wash in those other rivers and be clean? So he turned away and went in a rage. He's ticked off. But his servant came to him and said, my father, it is a great word that the prophet has spoken to you. Will you not do it? Has he actually said to you, wash and be clean? All you got to do is get in the river, dip seven times to be clean. You won't do that? So he went down and dipped himself seven times in the Jordan, according to the word of the man of God, and his flesh was restored like the flesh of a little child, and he was clean. When I was a kid, we used to do these big drama productions at my dad's church. There'd be like 100 cast members on stage. And as a kid, I wanted to be involved in these productions, but they don't give, like, kids leading lines. Like, it would, I guess because it wouldn't be believable for a 10-year-old Jesus to be on the stage or a 10-year-old apostle Peter to be on the stage. So they, they make the kids extras in the play, which means all you got to do is stand around and do stuff like this. You know, you don't, that's all, every extra you'll see in a church play, they're always going like, you know. <laughs> and so there was this play that I was in when I was a kid, and they gave me a line. And I practiced this line over and over and over again. And we would practice for months. I mean, these were huge productions. And I was thinking, like, this is my moment to shine. This is the moment for the entire church to see that Aram Meshagan is a star. He doesn't need to be at Gospel Harvester Church. He needs to be on Broadway, you know? So I've got this line memorized. I've rehearsed, and I'm ready. The night finally comes. I'm on stage. I'm in place. And now the Apostle Peter is supposed to walk on the stage while I'm standing by a fire. And as he walks by, I'm supposed to say, hey, weren't you with him? You know, because like when you're a kid, your, your country accent's amplified. And so I'm supposed to say, hey, weren't you with him? And I mean, that's my line. And I've got it nailed. I've got it down. And, and I'm, so I'm by the fire. I'm warming myself. And Peter doesn't show up. Apparently, Peter wasn't aware that it was his time to be on stage, and so he went and took a potty break. So now things are getting really awkward, because I'm standing on stage with hundreds of people in the audience by a fire with one line (laughs) that I can't say until Peter shows up. And I've got a choice here. I can either give up, I I can quit, I can get mad, I can storm off the stage, or I can ad lib. And if you know me, I took my moment. <laughs> I'm standing there, I start going, sure is mighty cold here in Jerusalem. And I start making up all this stuff, but, but what I realized is life doesn't always follow the script. Things don't always go the way we plan for them to go. Things don't always happen the way we would expect them to happen. I mean, Naaman... He's a great man. He's highly favored. He's a mighty man of war. He didn't plan on growing up one day to have leprosy. He didn't expect leprosy to happen. 
but it did. Like, you did not plan on whatever happened to you to happen to you. You didn't plan to be born to a family that would split up. You didn't plan on that person walking out on you. You didn't plan on that person lying to you. You didn't plan on that person abusing you, but it happened. And now we're left with this decision of what do I, what do I do with this? What do I do with this wound? Because we gotta remember, if I leave it opened, if I leave it open and don't get healing, it's going to fester, it's going to develop infection, and then all kinds of behaviors and attitudes and everything are going to spring forth from this one wound. What do I do with it? And Naaman decides, I'll cover it up. See, when he's at home alone, you can see the leprosy. But once he puts on his clothes and he puts on all of his armor and he goes out into the city, all they see is the great man. All they see is the mighty man of valor, the warrior, the hero, the, the one that all the kids want to be like. That's what they see because he's got it covered up, but he's still being eaten alive on the inside. And so I don't really think that's a good option. Yet sometimes we, as human beings, do that. We take our wound and we want to cover it up. We want to shove it way deep down to where we don't even think about it much anymore. And we think because I don't think about it that I'm okay with it. But the truth is that thing is still festering on the inside of you. And there's all kinds of ways that we'll cover it up. We'll try to cover it up with our personality. Some people, their defense mechanism is humor. But I've found it to be true that some of the funniest people you know are the most wounded people you know. Sometimes it's the people that you think are, that, you know, they're pompous or arrogant that have the most insecurities in their life. That's just their defense mechanism that they've put up to cover up their issue or the wound or whatever's happened to them. To them. And, and, and the list goes on and on about the things that we do to cover it up to where nobody realizes it. But just because nobody realizes it doesn't mean it's not there. You may not be able to see his leprosy with the armor on, but it's still killing him. And I believe that's doing it. That's what's happening to us on the inside. You may not see my wound, but if I don't deal with it, it's going to eat me alive. And so one day he's walking around his house, and obviously the servant girl sees what he doesn't want anyone to see and confronts what he doesn't want anyone to confront. And she says, you need to go see Elisha. You need to go see the prophet of God so that God can bring some healing to this thing. And so he goes, he finds Elisha, but Elisha doesn't do what he thinks he should do. And Naaman gets mad and he decides he's going to walk away. And what happens here is his pride almost causes him to miss his miracle. This is important. His pride almost causes him to miss his moment of healing. And I want you to understand that pride will block you from the blessings of God. Pride will keep you from getting healed. Sometimes we're too proud to admit that we're broken. Because what would, what would Keith think about me if I let him know that I'm broken? What, what would Bill think about me if, if I knew 
if he knew that I had some issues and it makes us feel vulnerable. And so instead of making this awareness in our life that I am broken, I hide it. But hiding it can't bring healing to it. I've got to be humble enough to come before God and say, God, I'm broken. God, I need, I need healing. And, and did you know that God loves that? God loves when we come to him and say, I'm broken and I'm hopeless and I need you. I'm reminded of the story Jesus talks about, the man who comes to the synagogue and, and he sits down and he starts weeping and crying out about, God, I'm such a sinner, I need you, oh, and all this stuff. And the religious guy comes up and says, oh, I'm so glad I'm not like this man. And Jesus is like, that's the one that's going to receive forgiveness. The one who's humble enough to understand they've got some issues. Don't allow your pride to keep you from admitting your brokenness. Because hiding it will not bring healing to it. Sometimes our pride will keep us from reaching out to someone who can pray with us. And there's power, there's, listen, there's power in our prayer of agreement. But my pride keeps me from reaching out. Sometimes my pride will keep me from praising God. I'm not going to stand in an auditorium like this and raise my hands and worship because what you may think about me. But let me tell you something. If I've got a broken place in my life, I don't care what you think about me. I'm going to praise the one that can fix it. And through my praise and through my worship comes my freedom. But I can't receive my freedom because I'm too proud to praise. Are you understanding that? This is serious. See, Go dip in the river seven times. I don't want to do that. Sometimes we miss the healing because we don't want to do what it takes to receive the healing. We're too proud to do it. We're too proud to dip in the river. We're too proud to raise our hands. We're too proud to ask for help. And hear this. Naaman had leprosy, but his issue was pride. And God knows what our true issue is. And God says, you know what? I'm going to deal with this thing at the root. See, you see, you see the leprosy, but that's just a symptom of a greater wound that happened somewhere else. For Naaman, it was leprosy. That's, that's what we see. That's what was on the surface. For us, our surface issue could be our anger. Our surface issue could be our addiction. Our surface issue could be an abusive personality, an abusive nature. Our surface issue could be that we can't keep healthy relationships, whether it be a friendship or a dating relationship or a marriage. We're always breaking it up. And we see that, and we'll try to get help for that, and we'll go to counseling for that. But let me tell you something. It doesn't matter how much you deal with the surface issue. If there is still a root wound that is left unattended, that will keep on recycling itself in your life. And you'll have moments where you think, okay, I'm free from it. But then it'll come back in like a raging storm. And you're left with this whole thing, okay, what do I do now? Because I thought I was okay. I thought I was okay. I, I did this, did this. You know, I, I, I stopped using this substance for, for this long, but now I'm right back in it. I've been faithful in my marriage for this long, but now I'm right back into stepping out. Not realizing, hear what I'm saying. Many of the behaviors that we act out in our life are because a wound that we experienced when we were younger. Addiction, substance abuse, all these things, anger, all of these things are symptoms of a wound that was unattended. 
And now Naaman's having a deal with his pride. He's having a deal with this root cause. And he doesn't want to get in the river. He doesn't want to dip himself. Because he wants to do things the way he wants to do them. And we want to do things the way we want to do them. Not realizing if we'll just be willing to dip the way God wants us to dip, where he wants us to dip, how he wants us to dip, he can bring healing. God was more interested in dealing with the root cause than he was the leprosy. Because if Elisha would have walked out and just waved his hand, Naaman would have left without leprosy, but he would have still carried the pride. Are you hearing that? See, we'll come into church services, especially you know, growing up, if you've grown up in a Pentecostal cir- circle where there's like healing services, like someone will come in with a broken arm, they'll go down for prayer. And their arm may get healed, but they leave with all the hurts and the wounds and the junk that's still deep down inside them. But hear this, Jesus is more interested than just the surface issue. Yes, he wants to heal the surface. But he wants you to be whole. He wants you to be complete. And you can, but you've got to be willing to be humble enough to do whatever it takes to get down into the river, the place where God can deal with the issue. And sometimes that's difficult because it's going to challenge us. Because many times receiving healing for the wound deals with us not being too proud to forgive. Somebody did you wrong. Somebody hurt you. And you hold on to that. And it becomes your excuse. It becomes your crutch. And the question is, and this is a big question, do you want to be healed? I mean, the servant says, he told you to go get in the river, dip seven times. Aren't you going to do that? Do you want to be healed? Or do you want to hold on to the wound because it gives you the excuse for why you are the way you are in your actions? Which a lot of times that that becomes the case. It becomes the, the reason for why I can do the things that I'm doing. We don't want to deal with the real reason we're doing it. If I, do you want to be healed? Jesus would ask people this all the time. Do you want to be healed? Do you want to be made whole? Or have you grown so accustomed to this that you've just learned to live with it? And you'd rather live with the wound than go through the process of healing. Forgiveness is key. Did you know, biblically, you cannot receive forgiveness yourself until you learn to release forgiveness. Some of you are festering because you won't forgive someone else. Sometimes we fester because we won't forgive ourselves. But forgiveness is one of the keys that unlocks the healing in our life. The other key is obedience. When we see the word, we've got to respond to the word and act out the word. Go dip in the river seven times, the Jordan River, dip in it seven times. But he didn't want to do it. 
But as soon as he responds and says, okay, I'm going to do it, he begins to dip. And he goes down the first time and he comes back up. Guess what? No healing. He goes down the second time, comes back up, no healing. See, it's easy to get excited about something if you see like a little bit result. If I went to the gym today and did some sit-ups and left with just one ab, like I'd be like fired up about going back. But Naaman dips, he comes up, there's no result. And at this time, like you could get frustrated. But on the seventh time when he comes up, he's healed. And what you got to understand is every time he dipped, God was chipping away a little bit of that pride. A little bit of that pride. Every time he dipped, he came up. And a little bit of that pride was, was being chipped off. And God was able to deal with what needed to be dealt with. And then the result was, oh, now he's cured of his leprosy. So there is a process sometimes that we go through in healing that is actually more valuable than the healing itself because it is the process that brings the ultimate healing. And we've got to learn to keep on dipping, keep on dipping, keep on dipping, keep on going to the Word of God, keep on praying, keep on praising, keep on worshiping, even when we don't feel like it. This isn't a feeling thing. Can I promise you that I don't always feel like reading the Bible? I don't always feel like praying. I don't always feel like worshiping. I don't always feel like praising God. I don't always feel like being thankful. I don't. But I've got to discipline myself enough to come to that place where I say, I'm going to rise above my feelings and I'm going to press through. Because if I can press through the pressure of what I'm feeling, then I can experience the breakthrough. That is such a valuable key to learn. You've got to learn this. Because many times we want breakthrough, but we don't want the pressure. We don't want to have to press through the pressure. But it is the pressing through the pressure that brings the breakthrough and strengthens us through the process. And you've got to keep on dipping. You know, I've, I've grown up in church all my life. I'm a fourth-generation minister. I don't think there's ever a time in my life that I would say I didn't believe that Jesus was the Son of the living God. Okay? But I also know that I've had moments in my life where I was hot, and moments in my life where I was cold, moments where I was on fire for God, and moments where I was living for myself. And when I look back on those moments, and even like moments in my life now where certain responses are triggered in my life, I can look and I can examine it and realize, okay, there's an area I've backed off on. I've backed off on study. I've backed off on getting in the word, I've backed off on something. There's something that I've backed off on and the further I get away from it, the more, the more I'm removed from it. So, so as I'm pursuing scripture and pursuing the Holy Spirit, I begin to see the fruit of the Spirit produced in my life. Love, joy, peace, patience, all that stuff. Everything's good. But then something in life happens or I wake up a little bit tired or I didn't get enough sleep and I don't, uh, I'll do it later, and I just back off, I back off, back off, back off, and sooner or later, I'm in this place where all of these negative emotions and feelings that I used to feel are coming back. You've got to learn how to dig yourself out of that, because there's going to be moments in life that you're going to go through that. But as a believer, you've got to learn how to get past your feelings, press through the pressure, and keep on dipping. Somebody say, keep on dipping. Keep on dipping. Well, how long do I got to dip? Until I come up and I'm clean. And then after I'm clean, guess what? I'm going to keep on dipping because I understand that it is my dipping into the word of God, my dipping in prayer, my dipping in praise, my dipping in worship that keeps me healed. See, there are people that have received healing that go back into their sickness, even physical things. I have seen people 
healed of a disease. I've seen people healed like where they were crippled and they can walk, but they go back into a certain lifestyle and that thing comes right back on them. The same thing can happen for wounds in our life. God can bring healing to it, but as long as we stay with him, we can walk in that healing. But if we start backing off, those things will start coming back and start playing with us because the enemy knows how to trigger us. He's not dumb. He's not dumb. He knows how to trigger us. So we've got to keep on dipping. We've got to stay close. And when we come close to him, we can receive the healing that he has for us. But Jesus wants to deal with the issue. Not just the symptom. He doesn't want to just deal with the cover-up. We see that when he comes to the woman at the well. And he comes to this woman and he starts ministering to her and he says, go get your husband. She says, I, I don't have a husband. And he says, no, the problem is you've had five husbands and the man you're living with now is not your husband. See, she was jumping from relationship to relationship to relationship to relationship to cover up a wound or something that was missing in her life. And she thought, I can satisfy my need through having another relationship. That's what we do a lot of times when we try to cover it up. We try to satisfy the void by seeking out something, someone, some substance. And Jesus uses this moment at the well as an illustrated sermon for this lady where he says, you know what, you, you've come here to get water. And if you get this water and you drink of it, you're going to get thirsty again. But if you drink what I have to offer, what's inside of me, you'll never thirst again. What's he trying to say? I can satisfy that longing that's driving you to this or that. I can satisfy. That's the goodness of Jesus. He can meet you where you are and he can satisfy you so that you no longer crave or desire the things that you currently crave and desire. And the reason you crave and desire them is because you were trying to fill a void in your life and you think that that will do it. But that will always be temporary and you'll have to move on to the next. Are you willing to dip? Do you want to be made whole? These are all questions that we have to wrestle with and we have to individually answer them. Because you can walk around with your wound and continue covering it up. Or the things that we read about in scripture like love, joy, peace, patience can be mine. God's made them available. Am I willing to do what it takes to take hold of it? Am I willing to do what it takes to get hold of it? Am I willing to dip in the river that I don't want to dip in? Am I willing to admit that I've got an issue? Am I willing to admit that I'm broken? Am I willing to forgive the one that hurt me? And that's where many people right there stop. And that process of forgiveness is not a one and done. I wish it was. I wish I could just say, okay, God, I forgive my dad and it'd be over with. But it doesn't work that way. There's a process of where I begin to pray for my dad. And the more I pray for my dad and ask God to bless my dad, God, ask God to strengthen my dad, ask God to help my dad. And I may have to force the words out at first, but the more I do that and the more I dip, the more God begins to work that out and get all that bitterness and that poison out of me because that's what unforgiveness is. It is bitterness and it is poison and it is hurting you 
and not them. And listen to what I'm saying. Forgiveness does not justify their actions. It actually has very little to do with them and more to do with me. But when I understand the frailty of our human nature and understand that wounded people wound people, then actually my desire should be for them to get healed so that they are no longer wounding anyone. And so I should be praying for that. That's why the Bible talks about praying for your enemies. And then sometimes we become the wounder because we were wounded. The, the very thing that wounded us becomes the pattern that we use to wound someone else. You know, my mom stepped out on my dad. Now I'm the one that steps out on my spouse. You see what I'm saying? They were a liar. Now I am a liar. And, and we can actually get healing to where we're broken from that pattern. It's, it's not genetic. Those things are not genetic. And even if they were, when I come into Christ, got a new DNA. Soften your heart today. Allow healing. Start experiencing the abundant life that God has for you. If you're watching online right now, start experiencing the abundant life that God has for you. And I pray that as I talk and minister today, that something begins to break inside of you because understand this brokenness if I can be broken before God and humble before God, that's where healing starts to happen. Not in my pride, but in my brokenness and my humility. So Father, touch them right now. If they're watching or listening to the podcast, move in their heart, move in their life. Begin to transform things. God, allow your heart to be our heart. Jesus, just like you hung, Lord, on the cross and people are spitting at you, they're cursing you, they're mocking you, they nailed you there, they've beaten you, and you say, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. God, help that to be our heart to be able to release forgiveness. In Jesus' name.